You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, good evening, everybody. Uh, your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound. Pete Smith in the house here with me as we're going to you know, go through some things, obviously. Um, you know, Last year when it got to this point, you know, you know, without the expectations where they were now, it, it was it was tough putting these shows together this time of year. Uh, now with the expectations and the talent in the building, uh, there's there's a lot we can get to, and uh, we're gonna do that here with Pete Smith, guys. Remember, you're hands free, whether it's in the car or Alexa, you know, play podcast Locked On Browns. Have the latest episode of the show. I have the latest episode brought up for you. You know, keep up that way. And as always, guys, you know, iTunes rating reviews always help and assist with the show. Uh, sorry for everybody who had such a good time last night. Uh, it's not Blue Chew night, guys. Uh, tomorrow night will be Blue Chew night. So Pete's already working on uh, take two of what will start to go down as one of the more epic re- epic live reads in podcast history. Uh, Pete, look, never a dull moment now. And look, you know, whether John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens don't like it, you know, it, it, you can't keep this thing a secret anymore, and you can't think you're going to sneak up anybody, especially with the schedule, all the primetime games. Odell, Odell's saying what I think every player in that locker room is thinking, and I think what most every single fan is thinking. I mean, I'm sure there's some of the old school, let's go week in, week out. But, Pete, these expectations are real. This this isn't, you know, this isn't a nice little story anymore. You don't go 7-8 and 1 with a rookie quarterback quarterback who took the world, you know, by storm with a second-year pass rusher just scratching the surface partly because he was held back a little bit and it's just an absolute dominant force. Uh, the looks of what is a young shutdown fantastic cornerback, a solid tailback in Nick Chubb, an emerging freak tight end in David Njoku. I could go on and on, and this would be the entire podcast. But you know, if the, I understand they would like it quiet and easier to maneuver, but and, and well, let's also add in Sheldon Richardson and Olivier Vernon, and uh, oh yeah, the guy we're talking about here, Odell Beckham. You just can't do it anymore. I mean, I look, they don't have to say it. But this is also Odell Beckham, who's no longer a New York Giant, basically from the fact that he was aggravated with losing. The Giants continue to put together a crap effort in maneuvering their roster year in, year out. And, you know, they, they, some of the times they're not even taking a step st- sideways. I think it's just steps backwards with draft capital in moves they made and just letting players walk for no reason whatsoever and getting no compensation whatsoever. This dude's here to win. This is what he wants. This is what he wants to do as a player. Look, he he's already got the resume of being a fantastic player. But now it's more of, you know, and this was one of the knocks he had, you know, in the New York and Jersey area was, well, yeah, well, he didn't win anything with Odell. So, Pete, you know, this is this is what is here, and the, all these guys, and you know, they're all in the prime of their careers, and and this is what it's about now. It's starting to accumulate some hardware. Uh, look, if the Browns, if if the Browns players come out and and come out with every cliche possible, you know, win one day at a time, win one game at a time, you know, you gotta the old you bus go- ride from Bull Durham. Love the process, all that stuff. You know, they're still one of the biggest stories in the league. They just, that's what happens. They got one of the brightest stars in Odell Beckham, and whether he's on, you know, in an interview for GQ or not, uh, you know, they've got Baker Mayfield, who is, you know, he's going to be on that. I think he's going to be on some ESPN feature tomorrow. Like, you know, these guys are getting a lot of publicity uh, just by virtue of, 
you know, they've got young stars. They've got guys who can actually really play. So you can say all the stuff you want about, you know, we don't, we haven't done anything yet. And, and, you know, they have a point, but at the same time, I also think that, you know, they're also sitting there kind of going, yeah, you know, be confident because if you go back to last year, part of the, the rallying cry for them was earning their respect and getting uh, people to stop sort of looking down at them. And, and that was a big deal for Jabril Peppers and Demarius Randall in particular, uh, you know, when it came to the Hugh Jackson thing and some of those other players. But you have a lot of this this, this attitude with, with Greg Williams and why you can really make a good case that he was the right man for the job. And then he sort of like encouraged them to be a little bit of a, you know, a little bit of a, angry arrogant you know type of thing where you know they haven't done this before so enjoy it and and and, you know those all those things that sort of go with that so you know it's whatever and every play but every team has somebody doing this and and the thing that makes me laugh at the you know the, the you know whatever small amount of outrage there is is what he's saying is it isn't like a big deal he's saying we want to win you know, breaking news, player wants to win. That's, what does that even mean? Like, are you going to remember this in a week or two weeks? No. Are are opposing teams, like are the Baltimore Ravens, is is Earl Thomas pulling out this freaking GQ article and posting it on the uh, freaking bulletin board? Or, you know, this stuff is just so meaningless, especially in May 7th. Uh, You know, and it's meaningless from the standpoint of, Odell Beckham saying it's meaningless from the standpoint of people getting aggravated about it. Uh, it's all contrived nonsense. But at the same time, I get you, you can make the case that it furthers the story for the Browns. It keeps them in the headlines, which uh, on one hand you can say is good. Or if you're on, you know, if you're the GM and the coach, you're basically saying, you know, we, we want to sort of not even fly or the radar, but just sort of keep things in perspective and understand that they've, you know, the best they've done in however many years is seven, eight and one like that. that that's nothing. I totally understand that thought process, but there is an element of, you know, this is earned. And, and, and in some respects you can certainly say Odell Beckham has earned his ability to say stuff. Uh, is there a point where you're going to, you know, pull him to the office and say something? Sure. This is nowhere near that point. So, you know, it's 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 enjoy the ride. Like the only reason I even knew about this is because it has been brought up as sort of a faux outrage thing, like that there are people that are unhappy about this and and, and this whole thing. So it, it means very little to me. Uh, I think it's a nothing story that, you know, it's cool, I guess. I mean, it's nice. You know, this is one of those things where you want your players and you want your team to get recognition and you know, the Monday night football and the primetime games and all that stuff. But then you don't want them to get the recognition and exposure that comes with it, which comes in the form of, you know, this GQ interview or the amount of attention Baker Mayfield gets or, or all the other stuff. Well, I mean, he's at, he's at a, basically what is in a fashion, a fashion event, the, the New York Met Gala and, you know, wearing a kilt. I mean, God bless you, bro. Uh, you know, not something I could certainly rock at this day, this day and age. But uh, you know, and, and GQ, you know, what are they going to ask my question on? You know, well, you know, he's basically, you know, ask him something that. You know, what do you think he's going to say in that scenario? Ah, we hope we have a better year than I've had in my five years with New York. Um, 
But here's the thing with Odell, and, and I brought this up before. And I go back to his rookie year. It was late in the year, and this is after he had already blown the hell up. This is already after the catch versus the Cowboys, which put him on the map, which he should have already been on the map. He was destroying everything put in front of him up until that point. It was 4th and 11, late in the game. He caught a square in, about 8 yards. You know, One guy got him high, one guy got him low. He ended up about a half a yard short of the first down. Got up, spiked his helmet. Oh, and you know, immediately the, the giant fan base, which is you know, we like we tease here in New Jersey. They're like the wine and cheese, you know, white Zinfandel and some cheese, and this is how they. Oh, this guy disrespects everything. No, he was pissed off. He didn't get the job done. They lost. He didn't get the job done. He didn't give him you know more life. The dude plays to win. He works out to win. That's what he wants at this point. And you know. To, to say these things, in, I, 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 it's not fake motivation with Odell Beckham by any means whatsoever. Because what is the next step for Odell? He's already got the big fat contract. What is it to you know be a guy who excels in playoff games? Be a guy who may excel in a Super Bowl? To you know further the brand, and that's what a lot of these guys think now and a lot of them that's what motivates them like as Pete had said Baker Mayfield's going on uh, ESPN tomorrow in some sort of piece that's what these guys look for I mean they they want to get paid they want to make a boat ton of money they want to win because they understand that leads to even more opportunities I mean you look at Tom Tom Brady's made like what 270 million dollars or whatever between you know football and endorsements you know granted he's the second highest breadwinner in the household um but this is what these guys want it, especially with football, Pete, which is such a short, short shelf life. This is the classic. We want athletes to be honest, but we don't want athletes to be honest. Uh, you want be honest, in, be honest in the way we want you to be honest. Right. You, you, we want access, but we don't want anything out there that could potentially, you know, embarrassing or whatever. You, you, you can't have it both ways. You, you let can't put the toothpaste back in the tube type thing. Uh, once, you know, they're out there, they're going to say something that you may not agree with. Again, in this case, it's player would like to win. That's, you know, that's really should be the end of it. Player wants to win football games. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, be honest. I, I could give a shit. It's like the same thing with Miles Garrett. Miles Garrett has said things that, uh well you know are political in nature uh that's you know that that is something that there may be people out there going you know you really shouldn't do that but at the same time like it's his time he's for personally uh you know he's allowed to say what he wants in that in that environment and people can sort of take it or leave it uh but that's you know, again, they, you you give them access, and you're saying we want to know more about you. He, you know, players tell you more about themselves, and you're basically like, I didn't want to know that, or whatever. Um, but that's the nature of the beast. If you want honest, they're giving you honest. Then don't complain about honest. Yeah, exactly. It's just the way it goes. And even you know, and, and this was even thing. Some people were coming at me with, well, I can't believe Miles Garrett said that. And I'm not going to believe Miles Garrett. You know, why about the, the Greg Williams thing and just, you know, Greg Williams, who's old school, you don't need that fancy-ass crap. Burst off the ball and go get it. Yes, I could totally see that conversation. And Miles Garrett, who will, you know, everybody bring your dogs. Let's hang out. Uh, the dude wants to do a, a, a finale Game of Thrones party. 
I mean, this is the guy you're not going to believe, as opposed to Greg Williams that was telling you the specific areas that were injured on players. And if you get a chance, take your shot. Uh, I mean, it was just, look, I mean, it, this is where it is, it, you know. And because of social media and all this other stuff, and it's, it, you know, I, I brought the Bull Durham reference up earlier. It's it's not like that anymore. Everything you know, and, and there's, you know, everybody, oh, leaks, leaks, leaks. Your leak is three seconds away. You, you know, if you say something loud enough, there's somebody there with a social media account, ready to blast it out. It's just, So I, I'd rather them speak what they truly feel. And look, if you end up and it gets brought back up on you, whatever. That's it. It's just the way it's. That's the way it is. The way it's going to be, uh, guys. Um, look, uh, you know, hiring is challenging, but there's one place you can always go where hiring is simple, fast and smart. A place where growing businesses connect to qualified candidates. That place is ZipRecruiter.com/slash/lockedon. ZipRecruiter sends your job to over 100 of the webs leading job boards, but they don't stop there. With their powerful matching technology, ZipRecruiter scans thousands of resumes to find people with the right experience and invite them to apply to your job. As applications come in, ZipRecruiter analyzes each one and spotlights the top candidates to so you never miss a great match. ZipRecruiter is so effective that 80% of employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate through the ZipRecruiter site within the first day. As of right now, my listeners can try ZipRecruiter for free at the, uh, you know, obviously ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. So go ahead, check it out. Make sure ZipRecruiter.com slash locked on. If you're looking for work, you're looking for better work, go ahead, guys, check out ZipRecruiter. I know it doesn't have the same pizzazz as Blue Chew, guys. I get it. 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 Look, listen, I'm just trying to move product. Absolutely. I mean, hey, that gum is not going to sell itself, Pete. That's um, right. Here's one we're going to slip in, Pete. Um, Eric Berry, the name's picking up steam, and I, I've talked about this with a couple people today. Uh, obviously, it's no mistake that John Dorsey loves him some Eric Berry, and I do believe between Alonzo and Elliot, I think there's kind of some handshake agreements like, hey, Alonzo, we kind of let you do your thing where there's a whole bunch of hurricanes up in this joint. You know, Elliot Wolf can cape for his guys. John can cape for his guys. I'm not sure the coaching staff has the actual fit for it. But if Eric Berry, if, if the money's right, I have a feeling this really could happen. I don't know if I see the need for it. Maybe you move on from one of the cornerbacks if you can find somebody to take of them. And maybe just say, Eric Murray, all right, you know what, thanks for you know being here, but go play corner. It, 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 it's still out there, Pete. It's still a possibility. You're getting him in year 30. But, I mean, as we mentioned a, a hundred times, Eric Berry is an extremely old 30-year-old dude for all he's been through injury-wise and obviously, you know, health-wise. Uh, I'm not going to say it can't happen. I'm not going to say it won't happen. What I will say is if it's going to happen, it'll be in a couple it, – it'll be in many weeks – um, there is no the, reason he needs to be out there at an OTA. I mean, no, none of that. Absolutely. Well, yeah, but the other part of that is is if you bring in Eric Berry now, you're basically selling Sheldrick Redwine. You're basically redshirting this year. You might you're going to be a backup free safety, and that's it. So if you you know even if you're interested in Eric Berry and you're saying we like him and we know what he can do, it it it's smarter for the Browns to basically say, look, stay in shape. You know, do whatever you got to do to prepare. But for the next, you know, let's say 
two two and a half months or three months, we're going to get this other kid ready uh, because first we 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 want him to be able to contribute. We want to get him as many reps as possible, and uh, you know see where that goes. But they because they've got a lot of pieces that that's it. Because I don't even count Eric Murray in there. I, I like we'll see what happens where he actually lines up. I think he's a depth corner and a slot guy, but. Uh, Sheldrick Redwine is the one you got to find out on. Uh, if if you drafted this kid in the fourth round, uh, you have to find out if this kid has what you need. Because I I, I think if you like I said I think if you sign Eric Berry right now, you're basically saying Redwine isn't going to be able to give you what you want unless you know Barry gets hurt or you decide to move on from him in some of their capacity later down the road. But that's the guy that would immediately be affected by that move. Uh, uh, all right. Yeah, I mean, I guess, yeah. I mean, but not a, I can understand it, but there's the, there's just the few games played over two years. It's the, you have a great young core here. And like I mentioned with Eric, he, you know, he's feels like the oldest 30-year-old guy maybe on this planet with everything he's been through. Obviously, great player. I, the little we saw of him last year, I, I don't know what's left in the tank. Is it just maybe that much? I mean, can he get more physically there? I, I, it's it's a no. It's a no for me. But if you're gonna say it's you know, one year, two million incentives. I, I can understand it. I, I mean, I'll live with it. And the other thing with Eric is, is you know, you're not dealing with, you know, Eric doesn't have any repeat of our automatic nose. <laughs> Comes in here with, you know, pretty good, pretty decent resume as a guy. Sure, as long as you don't have any horses on the premises, you'll be fine. But the other person that <laughs> it would at least raise some more questions on, which I already have many questions on anyway, is Morgan Burnett. I mean, Morgan Burnett is obviously more of a box guy. A, basically a slightly better version of Derek Kindred. Um, but, you know, and Barry, Barry's obviously more of a back-end guy. But, again, the, the combination of Redwine, uh, Burnett, and then Barry, those reps have to go somewhere, and it's a question of what happens in that. And certainly it, it would stand to reason that Burnett would be your box guy and run-down guy where, and, and maybe has some viability with – with certain coverages, like with uh, tight ends, maybe a, a jam and carry type guy, where Eric Berry has more of a, a deep deep threat, uh, you know, top down type safety, uh, and, and maybe that's where all the reps go between those two. But uh, but that leaves you back with Redwine, basically being you know special teams only, and in case of emergency, break glass guy. Yeah, I can live with it, and. You know, look. I mean, Randall, you know, probably going to play here and play his ass off to probably get to a contract that he's not. You know, he's not going to get here. Uh, it, it, it's going to be interesting. And look, yeah, I mean, you can understand it from John's standpoint. This is a guy you know and trust. But granted, you know, the trust factor might be a little difficult because you know, last couple of years, injury wise and all that, Eric's been through. It's it, it, it's it's a really really tough call. And you know, I can kind of understand it. You know, he. Had some nice runs against some guy, you know, some tight ends, and you know, there's going to be some whether it's Kelsey or, you know, guys you're going to have to deal with. But uh, it's it's something that doesn't seem to be going away, and obviously something's going to be monitored for a while. But uh, yeah, as Pete mentioned, I, I don't think Eric Berry is committing to anything anytime soon. He's got that luxury, and obviously, you know, he's made a good amount of coin coin over the years in the league here. 
this is the article we're going to get to, guys. Uh, and again, uh, Giovanni Ravis, uh, you know, he's fantastic. Picks out a bunch of great stuff, and was a little upset we didn't go into the uh, specialist selection of the All Rookie Team last night. Giovanni, I tell you what, he makes the team. We'll talk more about it. Make the kicks you got to make, and we'll talk kickers. We've done that. Joseph got credit for that uh, choker blocked dork snork whatever you want to call it kick that he uh got to the uprights to take down the uh buffalo bills obviously i'm sorry the baltimore ravens and now i can here we go uh now chris wessling from nfl.com part of the around the nfl podcast um i know he's got chris is a big fantasy guy but obviously you know covers the league wide so pete they went down and they you know went top 10 offenses in the nfl uh, top five, New Orleans Saints. I'm sorry, top one, number one. Number two, Indianapolis Colts. Kind of interesting. I think the offensive line was a big key there. Number three, Philadelphia Eagles. And this is the great part about Chris's piece is he went quarterback. You know, he took every skill position, gave him grades, and then took it up from there. Four, Atlanta Falcons. Eh. And then number five, Pete, the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, I mean, that's fine. I mean, the the thing is with all those teams, he's picking teams that have actually done something uh, that warrants them to be up that high. I think he might be a little bit high on the Colts. Uh, but obviously, Andrew Luck, you know, sort of finding himself and, and getting back to health and all those things makes him a very, very dangerous player. Uh, Eric Ebron, very good player. Uh, T.Y. Hilton's a stud, and then you add in what they've added in. I mean, there's some questions in terms of tailback and stuff like that. Uh, that's an interesting choice, I, I, you know, and I'm sure there's numbers to back it up to some point. That's maybe the ballsiest choice of that group, I suppose. Well, for me, and this is where I'm going to go, like I said, we're assigning letter grades to each position. Marlon Beck, Mar- uh, Marlon Mack, Naheem Hines, Jordan Wilkins, Spencer Ware, agree to B. That's uh, that. That seems to. I mean, if you wanted it's to kind. say, yeah. I mean, if there's one thing missing from the Indianapolis Colts, and you know, maybe they're a little higher on Devin Funches than I am, um, because I. Yeah. So that that that's those are some questions I have there. The offensive line getting in A minus with Costanzo, Smith, Nelson, Glowinski, Ryan Kelly. Yeah, we have no doubt the offensive line there are studs. Philadelphia Eagles. Uh, and this is you know now Miles Sanders, Jordan Howard, Wendell Smallwood, Corey Clement, Josh Adams. That running back crew gets the same grade the Colts one gets, but they got Jordan Howard. Look, there are certain elements that just love Marlon Mack. Uh, I know I loved Marlon Mack coming out, but there's always that, where's Marlon Mack for three weeks? Right. (laughs) That that really does feel like that's why the grade is so high, other than the fact that this, the grading here just seems very kind. And, you know, uh, we'll go with the Falcons at four, and it seems this is another spot here where, you know, Devontae Freeman, Ido Smith, Kadri Ellison, Brian Hill, Kenjin Barner, backfield of B minus. Yeah, I mean Freeman's great as long as he's healthy, uh, which is getting I, very questionable at this point. Right. So obviously, um, it's it's the biggest thing. Their issue is they address the offensive line. They got much younger 
they got significantly more talented up front. That's going to really determine this. Uh, and, you know, that's that's one of those things where if Freeman doesn't play well this year, you're basically out of excuses for it. Uh, they, you know, they, 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 at that point, the, the next year, one of the big focuses will be getting a tailback. Uh, so I think they will be fine at tailback. Uh, you know, the B minus is, you know, this all feels very arbitrary to me. Devontae Freeman, if he can get going, is very, very good. Uh, the offensive line is really the key for them. And, and it's, you know, not only for the running game, but certainly Matt Ryan, who does not deal with pressure well. Uh, obviously, the bronze are a good example. He folded up tent, folded up shop quite a bit. Uh, that they have to keep him clean so he can operate, or he, you know, they just tend to disappear. And this is kind of where it gets interesting. And and this is you know, and I'm not going to pick on Chris. Chris is obviously well established. But you go with this here now. The Rams uh, quarterback position, Jared Goff, Blake Blake Bortles. <laughs> okay, uh, they get a B. Uh, running back position, they get a B plus with Todd Gurley, Malcolm Brown, Daryl Daryl Henderson, which you know, hey, maybe tells you something about Todd Gurley, which would try to tell you the entire month of January. John Kelly, I still like John Kelly. Uh, wide receiving core, B plus, Robert Woods, Cooks, Cup, Everett, Higby, Josh Reynolds. So all still all Bs. Offensive line, B plus, Andrew Whitworth. Rob Havenstein, Austin Blythe, Note Boom, Brian Allen, Bobby Evans, David Edwards. So, you know, B pluses or B minuses across the board for the Rams. What did he give the offensive line? A B plus. That's kind. Uh, th- that is a worse offensive line than some of the others that have been mentioned. Uh, I-, I really but, like, like Brian Whitworth. Allen. Like, but even Whitworth, he's a nice player. But I mean, you know, we're you know. He hasn't shown it yet, but you're talking about a really old guy where, I mean, the wheel could, you know, fly off the axle at any time now, and, you know, it's over, quickly. I'm, I really like Brian Allen, but this will be, he will be a first-year starter. Uh, I'm, I'm not, a, you know, Rob Havenstein is, is a big hunk of crap out there at right tackle. He does what you'd expect. He, like, he's that old-school right tackle. Uh, he does Who's okay not that old? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, they're, they're just – I'm not impressed with it. I think the Colts group is better. Oh, of um, course. So, yeah, I, I I find myself very nonplussed. Meanwhile, I think the receivers are actually being underrated. Uh, Robert Woods is fantastic. Brandon Cooks is obviously very, very talented. And, and obviously a big part of their offense was missed when they were th- without uh, – what's his Cup. face from – yeah, Cooper Cup. He, you know, that was a guy that had a million catches seemingly as a rookie, uh, and was really sort of that. You know, he played that tight end security blanket type role for them. Uh, he was out, he was injured uh, for the for the Super Bowl in that playoff run. Yeah, coming back from the ACL, which is its own challenge. But again, that was a, a big part of the offense. So I actually think he. You know, I think I think you said B plus, but I think that's actually maybe the the spot on that offense he's underrating. Well, the thing would maybe be the tight ends of Gerald Everett and Tyler Higby. Maybe that's what brings the grade down a little bit. But Josh Allen, as your, uh, Josh Reynolds, as your fourth wide receiver, yeah, you're not really going too wrong there. That's not that's not a bad thing at all. Maybe he's holding it against it that Tyler Higby was accused of a hate crime. I don't know. Oh, it would be nothing. Anyway, we can understand that, Pete. We, we do carry some of those ourselves. Now the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, Patrick Mahomes carries an A plus grade here. I, I guess you really can't argue that after last year. The backfield. C plus, Damian Williams, our buddy Pete, 
100% fair. Our buddy, Petey's fine. He's fine, Carlos Hyde. Yes, when you sign Carlos Hyde, that, that tells you all you need to know about your running back group. Yes, uh, receiving core, a B. And it's kind of interesting here because Tyreek Hill's name was mentioned at the end, not in bold, with an asterisk, which probably hurts the unit. But Kelsey, Sammy Watkins, you know, McCall Hardman, I love him. But, you know, if you're going to put him in a huge role year one, you're probably asking a lot. Demarcus Robinson, Sammy, Pete, Sammy Coates is a Kansas City Chief. Yep. Did not know that. Offensive line B, Eric Fisher, Mitchell Schwartz, uh, the Dr. Laurent Dorney Tardif, Cameron Irving, Austin Reeder, our old buddy, Andrew Wiley. So a B for the offensive line. So here's my thing, though. They actually have a C within their grade, a C+. Plus. So, But give some comments here on the Chiefs, and this is why we're going to get where it, why it's a little interesting. Well, it's... You know, it, it this is Patrick Mahomes is so good that he is covering for the the ills of other spots on the lot on on the unit. That that it's like Peyton Manning in his prime and some of those guys, where you understand that uh, you know they they have some issues. Uh, their guards are not very good, for example. Uh, you know, even even AFC Championship participant uh, uh, can't. Uh, what's his face? Cam Irving. Uh, they 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 are not. I mean, they have a bunch of. They have like four Browns on that on that offensive line. Four yes. guys who were on the Browns at one point. Uh, with with Irving, with uh, the kid I wanted to keep out of e- the Emus, uh, Andrew Wiley. They've got you know the 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 backup center they had for a minute. They've got a bunch of Browns players on there. Uh, so that offensive line. It's Mitchell Schwartz is great. Eric Fisher is fine. Um, you know, I don't even know who the center is anymore since they let Morse walk. Uh, they're, they're okay, but you're, you're basically saying that Patrick Mahomes is the, is the, the guy that will cover everything. And in the event that Patrick Mahomes were to be taken out of that offense, like by an injury or something, that they're basically going to, you know, to borrow from a basketball thing, they'd become a lottery team overnight. Well, Pete, the center I'm assuming out of this group is our old buddy Austin Reeder. I'm assuming he's a starting center. You know, started many a game for him last year. But this is where it gets interesting now because, you know, obviously you had a C there with the Kansas City Chiefs. Now, your Cleveland Browns come in at seven. Quarterbacks, B+. I think that's fair. You don't want to, you know, I mean, but granted, Mahomes only has one year. You give him an A+. Baker only has one year. You give him a B plus. Running back, Nick Chubb, Duke, Kareem Hunt. It's actually funny. Darren Hall's mentioned here. A minus. Uh, the receiving core. A minus. Odell Beckham, Jarvis Landry, Antonio Callaway, Najoku, Higgins, Harris. Offensive line. This one actually is probably a little generous. A B minus. Greg Robinson, Chris Hubbard, Joel Batonio, Corbett, J.C. Treader, Lamb, Cush, you know, Wickstrom. Be that as it may, whatever. But if you well, actually we're going to add up the grades, that would probably be better than what the Chiefs had. So it's interesting how this was put put out. Right. So if you're saying like that uh, Patrick Mahomes is worth like 120% with extra credit and all that stuff, yes. he's bringing those other spots up, you can sort of make the case for it. Um, you know, you can call it being conservative. I, I You know, based on talent, I think the running backs are being underrated. Uh, Nick Chubb is, you know, has only played one season, and one season he was an absolute stud. 
Uh, obviously, you've got Kareem Hunt, who you know people are going to talk about as a top five back and all that stuff. And Duke Johnson's still here. Uh, you know, who's got a better backfield? You know, that's that's my issue with that. I, I don't know how how you have anybody better. Receiving-wise, I mean, that seems fair. I think, you know, almost 80% of that grade is Odell Beckham, but there are other guys, I guess. Uh, and, and if it's counting David Njoku, that becomes very interesting. And Rashard Higgins is coming off a very solid year. And Antonio Callaway, you know, if he can stay clean, is an ascending talent. Uh, you know, the, the thing you want to see, obviously, coming into this year is you want – you know, based on arbitrary grades, that that Baker Mayfield goes from a B plus to an A. I mean, that's what we're hoping to see. You know, you're hoping you don't see a sophomore slump where he regresses down in some way. I don't expect it. Uh, obviously, you know, there could be some questions with the offensive line. You know, is Greg Robinson going to be able to hold up? Is Austin Corbett going to be able to do the job? You've got a great uh, le- left guard. You've got a very good center, and your right tackle is a question mark. So. That's, you know, 40% of your offensive line is very good. Uh, the other 60%, you know, hopefully is going to deliver or at least be as good as they were last year. Uh, and with Corbett being that guy who's got to really step up to even be like 80%, uh, even if he's 80% of what uh, of what they got out of Eric Steinbach, or uh, Eric Steinbach, Jesus Christ, out of uh, Kevin Zeitler. <laughs> Uh, that would be a phenomenal season for him. Eighty, per, if he gets eighty percent of Kevin Kevin Zeitler from last year, that would be great. So that's where that's really difficult, and you could see the potential for some moving backward. But the the thing is, you know, and, and you've mentioned this, you know, Nick Chubb could be coming in for a absolute disgustingly good year because of and benefiting entirely, you know, on, on the supporting cast and what everybody else can do around him. That's only going to make him his his life that much easier. Oh God! It, it, you know, I, I make the joke all the time. He's going to be sitting there with the binoculars on, looking for where the guys in the box are because they're just not going to be there. So it's it's going to be fun for Nick. Uh, we're going to continue through this list here, guys. Obviously, we've gotten two, you know, uh, the Odell comments, whatever it is. You know, you can't ask these guys to, you know, give you everything and be out there. And then when you do it, you want to criticize it for it. It's you know. Beat, it's basically beat writers versus major media, and you know, look, you know, you can't take something that somebody said to GQ, which is not covering football in any way whatsoever, and, and, and run with it with a football topic. Uh, you know, obviously we got to Eric Berry, and we've gotten here to the top ten offices, uh, top ten offenses from NFL.com, iTunes rating reviews, guys. Uh, always helps the show. You know, brings new listeners. Drop a five star, drop a written review here, please. You know, mention you know how Pete. Uh, is going to be the king, uh, excuse me, of moving, you know, uh, male enhancement stuff going further. This might, this could be a new career for Pete, guys. Who knows? We'll figure out that works. But iTunes, ring reviews, guys. Look, I'm just trying to help Mrs. Lloyd out. <laughs> iTunes, ring reviews. Take care of it for me, guys. Uh, then we get to the Los Angeles Chargers at 8. It's kind of interesting. Philip Rivers, and I don't care about the backups. Philip Rivers draws the same grade as Baker Mayfield of a B plus. The backfield draws the same grade with Melvin Gordon, Austin Eckler, an absolute pain in the butt. Justin Jackson did some things last year. Receiving core B plus. Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Hunter Henry, Travis Benjamin. This list doesn't go nearly as deep as the Browns list does. Offensive line with a grade of C. Russell Okun. 
Sam Tevy, Dan Feeney, Michael Schofield, not Mark Schofield, Mike Pouncey. Uh, this, uh, you know, with the Chargers, you got to start thinking. This, I mean, it's 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 if this is in the year, it's never going to happen. Well, I mean, and that was the thought process last year, and they had more. You know, <laughs> if they couldn't get past New England, they probably wouldn't. And this is another team. You, you, if Philip Rivers goes down, you know, again, they're a lottery team. They're 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 potentially a top 10, 10 pick at least on offense. Their defense could be could be uh, very good still, even if it's unconventional. They have some really really good players on that side of the ball that can do a lot of different things. But offensively, it, you know, it goes as Philip Rivers goes. They have some guys that are very good. Keenan Allen is fantastic. Uh, it's just a question of if he's healthy or not. Uh, they've got. You know, a, a group of interesting players on that offense, but again, it goes as far as Philip Rivers carries them, and and I don't think you know these rankings are wrong in that sense. You know, if you have a a fantastic quarterback, in the case of uh, Rivers, he's going to be a Hall of Famer. Patrick Mahomes is on on an arc that's you know uncanny. He won the MVP last year, as he should. Uh, those guys make up for a lot. It's the same deal. You know, we eventually get to Aaron Rodgers. It's you know carrying the Packers, uh, Ben Roethlisberger for many years, not so much last year. Carrying the Pittsburgh Steelers, that there's an element of that that just makes up for so much, and and the Chargers are another prime candidate for that. Uh, and you know obviously the defense is solid. It, you know this year it's probably going to be more about you know the Chargers and the offense. Uh, nine, this one it just seems generous as a whole. That the Pittsburgh Steelers are here. Uh, ben Roethlisberger, B plus, carrying the same grade as Baker Mayfield. The backfield: uh, James Conner, Jalen Samuels, Benny Snell, coming in with a B. The receiving core of Juju, Dante Moncrief, Deontay Johnson, a Pete guy, Vance McDonald had a fantastic year. Does James Washington take that next step, which a lot of second-year Pittsburgh wide receivers do? Uh, you know, Ryan Switzer, obviously, there as well. Zach, uh, Zach Gentry, Eli Rogers. Offensive line, B-plus with Villanueva, Feller, DeCastro, Foster, and uh, obviously Marquise Pouncey. This, uh, I, I'm not sure. I, I don't know. I, I'm not just, you cannot lose two stars, and, and I'll say it two years in a row because he didn't have Bell last year, and now you lose, obviously, Brown, but seems like they lost way too much, Pete. Um, I think, you know, I think he's giving a lot of benefit of the doubt uh, based on the fact that the Steelers have done this before. They've lost guys and replaced them. Uh, obviously, James Conner came in and was more than up to the task to replace Le'Veon Bell. Uh, you are, you know, basically saying that Juju Smith-Schuster is going to continue to rise. And, and, and on the numbers, he had a far better year than Antonio Brown did. Now, the question's that inevitably follows is, well, how much of Juju Smith-Schuster was caused because of Antonio Brown? That's the question that sort of remains to be answered. Vance McDonald had a fantastic season last year, but he's a guy who's had a lot of issues with injury, and that's one of those things you're going to have to monitor. If he's out there, he can be great, uh, but when he gets nicked up or he misses a significant amount of time, it obviously has a drastic impact. Uh tailbacks are interesting you know in addition to james connor obviously benny snell's in there they've got guys who can fill in and, and some other things but the again you, they're taking a lot of a lot of faith 
perhaps too much with the amount of you know the the expectation that they're going to be fine or still very good without Antonio Brown and with all these other receivers stepping up and stepping in you know maybe giving credit again maybe too much to the idea that well you know not having all that drama in there is going to be a net positive for the Steelers and they're actually going to be better that seems very mm, that seems very bold. The The other part of that, though, is, you know, if it's not the Steelers, you know, how many teams do you feel are better than them? And that, you know, as, as, as questionable as you might feel like they are, and, and it always feels like they're, you know, ready to fall apart. Uh, it's it, it's a matter of who do you put ahead of them? And I, I suppose you can, the, guy, the teams behind them are sort of, you, you could put, in front of them, but I don't think anybody not listed is better than they are right now. Uh, we'll, we'll see because we'll get to you know the list of who you know the list of names who didn't make the cut. Uh, at ten would be the Green Bay Packers. A for Aaron Rodgers, Pete. B minus the contingent of Aaron Jones, Jamal Williams. Never been a fan. Dexter Williams out of Notre Dame. I do like him. Capri Bibbs. Uh, okay, whatever. Uh, receiving core Devontae Adams. Big fan. And now it gets to who is going to be the guy that steps up. Geronimo Allison, Marquez Valdez-Scantling, Equinemus St. Brown, Jimmy Graham, Jay Sternberger, a B for the receiving unit, offensive line B+, David Bottieri, Balaga, Lane Taylor, Billy Turner, Corey Lindsley, the rookie, obviously uh, Elton Jenkins, Jason Springs, uh, you know, a darling of mine a few years ago from Indiana where it's never really come out. But, uh, you know, a B-plus for the offensive line. So, you know, good grades for the Packers. Actually, essentially better than some grades and some teams that are higher than them. But, uh, I mean, as we know, guys, it all comes down to the health of number 12. If these there, you got a shot week in, week out. That may be the only thing that differentiated them between them and the Steelers. The other thing I would say you can give a, an edge to the Steelers with would be James Conner is better than, than the Packers' backfield, even though I really, really like Jones. Um, I don't. They know. just need to use him yes. fully. Well, he, but part of it's on him because yes, he's, he's a little unhealthy at times. Yeah, and he, you know, has a little reputation of a knucklehead. Right. So I, I think he's phenomenal as a talent, but again, health health has been a question mark. But I, I do think the Packers' offensive line is better than the than, than the Steelers, and I also which is really, good for us Browns fans. And I yes, and I really really like uh, Equinemius St. Brown. Uh, this is a guy who's super high on coming out of Notre Dame. I think he could step up. The only issue I have with the Packers is that their entire set of weapons is big and slowish. They don't have sort of a, a dynamic speed threat. Everybody's big, which you could certainly win with. There's nothing wrong with that. It's just they're, they're all very similar, so it becomes... You, you know, know, like, where's the Ty, the Ty Montgomery, the Randall Cobb? Where are these guys who were huge, huge parts for Aaron Rodgers when he needed them? Right. Yeah, and and they've uh you know, they've they've largely become very homogeneous in the sense that all the receivers are the same. So if you're t- talking about it from a matchup standpoint, it's a pain in the ass that you got to deal with all these big guys, but at the same time you have to deal with nothing but big guys as opposed to, you know, a mix and match type thing where you're you're worried about uh covering Deva- you know, Devontae Adams is a big guy 
who can go up and and be an issue at the catch point and and fight for balls and and good route runner and just does all those consistent things. But like the suggestion I had with the draft is I thought they were a threat to take uh, Hollywood Brown is that would give them that other element uh, that, you know, threw Aaron Rodgers' bone uh, and got them another dynamic speed element uh, to sort of mix things up. They're still very good. They will still be uh, a very uh, difficult team to defend because Aaron Rodgers is phenomenal. Uh, But I, I do think... When we get through the season, I do think they will be better than the than the Steelers, uh, but I guess we will wait and see. Yeah, and, and I agree. Like I think they're missing that you know third and six. You can throw them a three yard ball. You know you're going to get the six seven yards. Get yourself the first down. There's something missing there. The tight end position. I think Jay Sternberger is going to be going to need a year in the NFL. Um, obviously strong offensive line, but like we said, it's it, it's the key. You have 12, you've got a shot. It's interesting, though, that the teams that were left out here, and anytime you're going to talk top 10, anything in the NFL, and the New England Patriots don't make the list, that's going to be something interesting. Um, look, you have Tom, uh, you have an incredible backfield. Uh, you you know The receivers, whether you equate Josh Gordon into this or not, you know, they find a way to make it work. Obviously, you're missing Gronk, which is going to hurt that great as well. The offensive line, obviously, still a you know work in progress, but you know Bill will find a way to make it work. So it's just interesting the Patriots aren't in, but some of these names that were two, three, four, we're we're gonna have a chuckle over. Yeah, the Patriots. Um, look, they are not a prolific offense right now. They are a team that outsmarts you. They are not a team that just you know, can can just... They beat you on Tuesday and then beat you on Sunday. Yeah, I, I, like, you're not sitting there going, looking at it going, man, the, the Patriots may come out here and put 50 on us if we're not careful. You know, they, they aren't that team anymore. Obviously, you have Tom Brady is, is obviously still very good, but he's not as, you know, he's not quite at the peak of his powers anymore in terms of his arm strength and stuff like that. They don't have... You know, an obvious stud, and obviously losing Gronkowski. Uh, Julian Edelman is a good, not great player in the regular season, uh, and and you're now trying to break in guys like Nikhil Harry and 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 Demarius Thomas. Uh, you you've still got running backs, and obviously, I think Sony Michelle is going to take a bigger role uh, as this thing sort of develops and gives them a little bit of a, a you know a, a, a something that they can consistently rely on. Uh, it also helps that they have one of the best offensive line coaches in football that's been consistently getting more out of that group than than maybe they deserve. But uh, they just aren't scary. I mean, on the if you're saying like when the Browns have them on the schedule, they're a scary football team. But it's it's because they're so damn smart, particularly on defense. It's not so much that oh, the, the, the offense is just going to run down the field right by us. It's, they're going to outsmart you, outscheme you, those type of things. Yeah, and then uh, this is where we get a good chuckle. Uh, 12, 13, and 14, Pete. The Tennessee Titans at 12. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers at 13. And the Cincinnati Bengals at 14. The Titans who and who? Titans, Tampa, and Cincy. Those are three teams without with major quarterback questions, and Cincinnati's got offensive line issues. Tampa, 
you got running back issues. Tennessee, I mean, the quarterback, I mean, I'd love to know what the grade was for quarterback position for Tennessee. Tampa, I'd love to know what the running back grade was. Cincy, I'd love to know what the offensive line grade was. So if you combined all those offensive skill players together and you made a team, you'd be or you could take the entire every all three of those teams' offenses and combine them into one team. You know they sound really good, uh, and the, you know they'd have a great front, they'd have a great set of weapons. You know they'd have Mike Evans, AJ Green, Corey Davis might be your third, you know th- fourth guy with you know uh, you know Tyler Boyd in there and, and, and all these great players, but. Find me a good quarterback in that group. There is not one, and that's you know that's the issue, and and that's the question that's going to face these teams. Uh, obviously, Andy Dalton has already been paid, and it's basically you know how long is Mike Brown going to insist on you know living out the life of the contract? I mean, he's basically teased the idea that you know that uh, Andy Dalton's got to go out there and prove he's a franchise guy again, so that to get paid. Uh, Jameis Winston, you know, they brought in a coach for him as it feels like a last ditch effort to get this thing uh, squared away to figure out if he's going to be the man. Mariota, again, injuries uh, and inconsistency. If he can stay on the field, he'd be okay. But if, if you're saying which of those three quarterbacks is going to take me to, the, you know, take me to the Super Bowl or even a consistent playoff content or a real contender, Good luck. They're, they're, it's just not there. No, it is most certainly not. Uh, so, guys, there, that was uh, obviously we went through the top 14 offenses um, from uh, Chris Wessling uh, from NFL.com, part of the uh, Around the NFL podcast. You know, just a, a fun talking point. But, guys, uh, and guys and gals, that's the good part here. Um, Brown's offense, legit, major. Um, we got one listener question here from Sam Panix because sometimes when I ask for these and I ask it too early, they get blown up in the Twitter mentions, and it's you know already beaten to death before we get to record it. But from Sam Penix, would you be more comfortable trading the 2024th for Ger- uh, Gerald McCoy at his contract or signing Ziggy Ansaw Pete at whatever the deal would be? I'd trade for Gerald McCoy. Um, look, he's more valuable in terms of position. The Browns have a, a bigger need there. Ziggy Ansa has major questions in terms of his shoulders and just how much he can actually do at this point. It's it's still uh, I don't know if he's you know if if he's been entirely clear uh, in terms of what he's put out there. So I think teams are basically inviting him in to check out the shoulder uh, and see where he's at with that. But no, there's a hundred percent. Ziggy Ansa does not make the Browns markedly better anymore now that they've got Olivier Vernon. Uh, whereas Gerald McCoy, you know, for, for you know, whether it's a 2024th or 2023rd, since, you know, uh, I was correct, rightly corrected on that. As I said yesterday, we didn't have one. I was thinking that uh, that went in the Odell Beckham trade, and it was the uh, uh, Danny Shelton third-round yes. pick that, that went in that. Um, that, you know, I would – pay a, a, a conditional fourth that could be a third or whatever like that in a heartbeat compared to what I, you know, I would get gr- grab for Ansa. But again, uh, you know, there come ramifications with McCoy that don't with, with Ansa uh, in terms of the cap and stuff like that. But I also just think in, in terms of what, 
you know, Gerald McCoy does for the team in general. I think, you know, there'd be an element that it feels like, you know, you, you go back to Vince Young and you're going, you know, this is the, you know, the dream team type situation. You would start getting stuff like that because Gerald McCoy you know, has inherent credibility because he's been such a great player for such a long time. And the idea that he wouldn't need to be in there, you know, that they, they have three defensive tackles that are rotating that are all, really really talented uh and and one with you know his best football still in front of him hopefully and the other two who are still playing at a supremely high level um yeah well this is kind of easy where you know you, you go with gerald mccoy but the other thing though is is it essentially gives you five starting defensive linemen so look you know if you know well, olivier, six. Oh, yeah, six is right but if olivier vernon you know a guy who's had some injury history the last couple of years can't go a week you can start gerald mccoy you can easily ask Sheldon Richardson to play defensive end. It's it, it's nothing new for him. It's not like it's something he's not capable of. Or even, God forbid, Miles had him miss a week. You, you have plug and play, and you should still have a, the makings of what is a damn, damn good offensive line. And the thing with Ziggy Ansaw is, I don't even know if Ziggy Ansaw, Pete, knows how old he is. Well, <laughs> you get into the get into that whole thing but his shoulders may be that of a you know 70 year old at this point it's Ryan just, Bosworth. <laughs> right it's just really unclear it, it, it you know what his status is with all that stuff so uh, you know he may be a guy who does not get signed until very late because it takes that long for him to be cleared uh to make that happen uh so it, and it's really difficult to figure out where he goes obviously i think most people are jumping to the idea that uh, it's going to, you know, the, the Tampa is going to give him a long look because they they have their own issues with Jason Pierre-Paul and his neck. Yeah, uh, we probably mentioned on that here in a minute, too. That, uh, you know, that becomes more of a thing. And, and f- to be fair, I don't think the Browns would be a particularly attractive spot for Ansa. Nope. Uh, I, I don't think he's sitting there going, man, there's the playing time. Uh, that's the other big problem with that. Uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, you because know, I mean, look, between Avery and Smith and you know, the other guys that are here, no, it, it, it doesn't make much sense. So, I mean, it was, uh, thank you, uh, Giovanni, obviously, for the question, but that made it, uh, I'm sorry, that was uh, Sam Penix, obviously. Uh, Sam, thanks for the question. But, you know, McCoy just gives you the perfect fit into this. This is something I did want to get into here. Um, so, you know, somebody had mentioned, you know, one of the, defensive tackle spots and it was from it was Andrew Gribble who wrote it for Browns.com guys this is the thing with the guys who are writing for Browns.com they can't they can't give you what me and Pete give you you know I, obviously if you're you know, we had talked about this with Joe Thomas is there is there's the company aspect to it so it's kind of painting a good picture to everything and even if they don't agree with it and you know, I'm not look. I'm not giving Andrew a hard time. I'm not giving Joe Thomas a hard time. Is, but they can't. Even if they agree, disagree with it, you're not. They're not going to let anybody know that. And that's what makes it difficult in the coverage. And I think that's why a lot of you come here, which I appreciate. We love. You know, me and Pete love that. To, there's no doubt about it. Is, is we can look at each and every move from our standpoint and give it to you from our lens. You know, hey, look. There's moves. We absolutely, lo- and here's the thing: is the moves right now a lot more of them 
we are enjoying. We sat here for a year doing this together going, what the hell did they just freaking do now? Oh, my God, what is this? What? I mean, it just went on and on and on. Now it's, well, all right, well, batting 7 out of 10 or 8 out of 10. But there's always going to be things we disagree with. But some of these guys, you know, obviously anything you're going to read on, you know, the Cleveland Browns website, it's going to spin things good for you. And even Joe, Joe is a freaking god. First ballot Hall of Famer, one of the best offensive tackles to ever play the game. There's no doubt about that. But you still get things like Sean Coleman is going to be just fine at left tackle. And Sean was shipped out of here before the preseason was even over here, Pete. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and, and part of that is if you specifically talk about Joe Thomas, Joe Thomas, in addition to you know being an alumni and a future Hall of Famer, he's also a huge fan. Um, so he doesn't tend to like to look things, you know, in the negative light. But yes, you know, there's always an element of to- touting the company line. I mean, he was unwill- basically unwilling uh, until it was painfully clear and I, I don't even know if he came out and criticized him too much until Hugh Jackson was finally fired. Uh, they're, you know, they, they're not able, you know, not really in a position where they can say something is bad, uh, even if it's bad, short of basically, you know, saying that, like, the Browns lose uh, in, in a particular game. They're not at liberty to sort of freely analyze, and I don't, you know, I don't know if those guys are specifically told, you know, not to mention certain things or whatever. I don't, I, I don't pretend to know how that stuff works, but certainly there's an element, uh, you know, that it's been uh, cleaned a little bit, uh, washed, uh, gone go. through a couple times uh, before, <laughs> good way, before, good way to put before it. it comes comes out, and that's, you know, that's fine. Uh, you know, they're allowed to do that. It's they own it. They they can produce it however they want. Um, I think. There are other teams in the NFL who are far more uh, open with their, their writers being, I guess, a little bit more critical. The the one that jumps to mind to me is Dallas. It seems like their their writers are a little bit more free, but it, on some level, every team's you know when they are part of they're, they're under the umbrella. There's only so far you can go. You can't you know you can't be on the Cowboys thing to go. God, the GM's a jackass when the GM is you know Jerry Jones. Um, but you know, it's a question of where where do you set the line, and obviously we're in a situation where we do. So, you know, we're not interested in you know wh- what we, you know, I mean, obviously there's there's aspirational parts of this, but we sort of try to make that out, you know, come out in front with that. And we're saying we hope such and such happens, or we hope, you know, we we have faith, or we you know, based on this, we feel like this will be a good situation. But you know. <laughs> Clearly, I'm not afraid to tell you something sucks. Um, <laughs> as, as, as you know, I, I, as I, I, I am always reminded that you know on draft day, people hate having the ending spoiled for you when it comes to a player's future. Um, whether it was Deshaun <laughs> Kaiser, Chad Thomas, or most recently Mac Wilson, uh, you know, people don't like hearing or Rod Johnson and uh, Caleb Brantley. People really don't like hearing how the book's going to end. They, they want to see it unfold and, and find out, you know, live to the bitter end that those guys can't play. <laughs> or, you know, me posting videos on a early day in February where a certain running back was signed and what did you just do? Um, you, know, it's, you know, it's funny. Everybody, oh, well, the Browns signed Kareem Hunt, but, you know, you don't talk about certain things. Look, Kareem Hunt's a fantastic football player. And, look, I wish him all the best and he gets... And, and never has an incident again. But 
we, we've said this a million times. Those are the guys we would probably avoid and tend to avoid. It's, I don't know if it's a personal preference or it's a thought of, you know, right over wrong and give me the guys I, you know, and this is one Pete and I, you know, give me the guy I don't have to worry about my cell phone ringing at 2.30 in the morning. Well, I mean, look, it's a people, I don't care what you're doing, if it's football, any career, running a business or anything else, you, you are betting on your people. You want to hire good people. Uh, you want to hire talented people, but you don't want to hire people that are going to, you know, constantly let you down or put you in a position that they're going to get you in trouble because ultimately, you know, if you're a coach, the assistants are the ones who probably could get you fired. If you're, you know, if you're a GM, you know, players and, and, and being, you know, the guy, guys who get themselves in trouble and can't be accountable are the guys who are going to get you fired. So it's a people business and, 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 and I don't care what field it is. Sports are, are not excluded from that, that idea. I mean, at, yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, you want to go home, you know, hang your head and know that, you know, what you're doing, you're doing it with the right amount of people and you're putting your best foot forward to the, put out the best product you can. Um, as we wait for more of Pete's written work, which will be coming soon, guys, uh, make sure you're following uh, at Pete at underscore Pete Smith underscore the Locked On Browns Twitter account. Always follow back account. Best way to get direct interaction, guys, from anything you guys need, you know, to me, so stuff we can get to the show. As you know, guys, obviously we take a lot of it and run with it here. We have a lot of listeners here who provide a lot of great talking points. Um, you know, Twitter-wise, yeah, it's it's been a little bit of a – it's a slower time here now, guys. And the other thing is, you know, don't want to just put stuff out there that would not end up on the show. And also, guys, you know, it's – for me, it's prime soccer season, so I'm very, very busy with that. So – Thankfully, the weather cooperated along with the draft, and you know now I'm kind of into that. But you're still going to get your content here every day on Locked On Browns. The uh, me personally at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. You can uh, you know always send a tweet over there. Look, I, I, I'm better at answering tweets than I am at putting out original thoughts this time of year. It's just a slower period, you know, and just trying to you know recharge the batteries, smell the roses, all that type of crap and BS. But uh, it doesn't mean that you guys aren't appreciated for everything you've done here for, you know, us and the growth of the show as we continue to just put out, you know, crush it and get, you know, great content out to you. You guys are all appreciative of it, and that means the world to me. Uh, so we're going to put a bow on this one here. Well, before we do, Pete, is there any anything happened here in this hour? Anything we missed? I don't think so, but a quote, to quote Coach Sowers from King of the Hill, go on and play your ballerina ball, just leave your penis in the bucket. And there you go. Guys, I'm telling you, Pete is trying to get this Blue Chew commercial job. He wants to be the official voiceover for Blue Chew. This may happen. Well, that was actually in, in relation to soccer, but sure, that's that would be good too. They're girls, Pete. They're girls. Yeah, but you aren't, allegedly. Well, then again, the Blue Chew ad is tomorrow, so we'll see. <laughs> See guys, this is this. See, this is where it was good. You guys wanted looking more. Out for, looking out for you, Mrs. Lloyd. This is what you guys wanted. You wanted more of the interaction. You wanted more of the busting <laughs> chaps. And this is where it's going to probably flow in very nicely. I'm going to have to call David Locke see how long this Blue Chew ad is running. Um, but with that, we're going to put it on. Longer now, I'm assuming. <laughs> yeah, hey, this sucker's going to be here year round. Stofers bailing out. Come on, Stofers, where are you? Uh, LGB on the LOB. Let's go, Browns.